0: To Pod Save Africa. Welcome 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 to Pod Save Africa. Welcome. Pod save, pod save africa welcome to pod save africa welcome to pod save africa welcome hello welcome back to pod save africa it is i yours truly he i and only me your host i can't dare really, and as you can tell i'm in good spirits why because i'm here with my wonderful co-host she she her who is. Known as...
1: Monsala oh, Hi, guys. I wish I got to introduce myself, but oh, yeah, okay. we'll do it, we'll do with that. <laughs> thanks for, hey, thanks that. for listening again.
0: I built a ramp. You refused to jump. That's cool. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, guys, we figured a great way to um, reconnect and to bring some more information to you would be to get you updated on the news coming from the continent this week and in the past, let's say, month. Yeah. Um, first, we'd like to start with the major ongoing story, the coronavirus, COVID-19, otherwise known as, and how uh, things are happening on the African continent. Uh, so today, May 10th, at about 7 a.m. when we checked the 7 a.m. Uh, GMT, um, there are about 60,566 confirmed cases of the coronavirus on the continent, um, with about 2,221 recorded deaths and 20,803 recorded recoveries. Um, and this information was confirmed by the John Hopkins University and Africa Center for Disease and Control. Um, 53 of the total 54 countries in Africa have been infected by the virus, leaving Lesotho as the country with no reported case. Other things are going on in Lesotho. We will talk about them later. Um, in response to the infection, Many countries have implemented prevention measures, including Zambia, who more recently, most recently shut down its borders against Kenya. And last month, Madagascar's president, President Andriy Rajoelina, announced the herbal remedy that he claims could prevent and cure diseases. Rajoelina, who also happens to be a former DJ, which is apparently kind of looking at uh, articles online. The former DJ appears to be a thing that they're using to discredit him. Um, he, in 2009, at the age of 34, became the continent's youngest national leader. He claimed that the launch that the remedy named COVID Organics has already cured two people. Um, the herbal tea gave results in seven days, Rogelina said. By the way, um, Rogelina is now 45. Um, so he's been uh, president of that country for roughly 11 years now. Um, he told journalists and diplomats in April, um, soldiers have been going door to door in the country. I um, mean, it's located, if you don't know where Madagascar is, it's in the Indian Ocean, just east of Africa, uh, of South Africa, I would say. Um, and <clears throat> it's, uh, of course, an island. But um, it has recorded recorded 149 cases with no fatalities. Um, it's and, and the soldiers have been going door to door in the nation, dispensing the concoction. Um, The herbal remedy is produced from Artemisia, a plant with proven efficacy against malaria and other indigenous herbs, according to the Malagasy Institute of Applied Research, which developed the beverage. Several other African countries, including Chad, Equatorial Guinea and Tanzania, East Africa's second most impacted country have since requested and received this herbal remedy from Madagascar. Um, Now, of course, um, different countries have different systems in place for, one, studying uh, medicine, doing trials of whatever sort, and making sure remedies are safe. Um, of course, a lot of people um, exhibited skepticism towards this uh, product, um, and and it remains to be seen. And we, of course, at Plot of Africa can just present you with the information. I honestly can't give you an opinion on whether it works or whether it doesn't work because I do not know. Of course, in a time where there's no other options beyond lockdowns, um, people are trying things and and experimenting, which is what's happening in labs all over the world, et cetera, et cetera. But Madagascar is also part of that effort. And the way I like to look at this is that this is part of that. It is like another country that is trying things Probably held trials just the way it is. We can't find information on on what that process exactly looked like. Um, But they do have relatively good numbers regarding the number of cases. um, That have been reported. um, That have been reported. That's also critical. That have been reported. uh, My wonderful co-host has noted because, in truth, um, if a country is also peddling the the, the care, there's an inherent incentive to... Uh, have as little cases as possible, whether that be by having an actually effective care or um, more insidiously by having, um, by underreporting or not reporting certain things. Um, We don't know, but this is how we'd like you, our listeners, to think about The ups and downs, the ways to think about it. Now, over the next couple of months, of course, the countries that are testing it also have a chance to say, hey, this thing is great. It's awesome. It's working. Um, Or otherwise. So we'll see on that one. Any thoughts, perspectives, opinions?
1: I mean, um, in some countries, they're drinking, you know.
0: um... What's it? (laughs) I'm sorry. I am so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness.
1: um, And some people are doing hemorrhoid remedies. I think, like you said, everyone, no one knows for sure. And, you know, everybody's just trying their luck at things. My worry is that there might be side effects to the beverage. But the beverage uh, has proven efficacy against malaria, which is similar to chloroquine, right? So... um, Mm -hmm. There is some, um, we're seeing some, I guess, some similarities with this herbal remedy and another remedy that has, was people have said helps before. So I guess this is, that's in line with what, what other s- stories that we're seeing out yeah. there. Um, I mentioned reported actually dialing back to Lesotho being the only country with no reported case um as we saw in the beginning of when this pandemic started spreading we first of all saw very few cases out of Afri- of out of the african continent in general but as as there have been more tests and been more coverage we see that the cases have climbed i think the last time we spoke the, there were only half of the countries in africa were infected and now 53 out of 54 countries have reported infections mm-hmm. um, and so Saying that Lesotho is the only country with no reported case does not mean in there the virus has not spread to
0: Lesotho. Yeah. Monica, want to take us to the next story?
1: Yes. Um. Parts of Africa, listeners, we know that this is a trying time and a lot of information you'll be hearing is about the pandemic, the pandemic, the pandemic. But specifically with this news update, we wanted to give stories outside of the pandemic to let you know that other things are happening on the continent as well. Um, And so that brings us to the second story. Freddie Bloom, one of the world's oldest men, celebrates his 116th birthday. So this is someone that not only is currently surviving the coronavirus pandemic, but he also survived the more earlier pandemic, the Spanish flu, that was said to be the deadliest prior to COVID-19. In South Africa, Freddie Broome lives unfazed by the coronavirus and is celebrating his birthday. He was born in 1904 in rural town of Adelaide, tucked near the Great Winterberg Mountain Range of South Africa's Eastern Cape Province. The only thing that I know that was born in 1904 is probably some houses. Don't know any people. Um, So (laughs) That's quite a great feat. He's older than a 112-year-old British resident named the world's oldest living man by the Guinness World Records in March. So the Guinness World Record needs to be updated. But Bloom's age has not been verified by the Guinness World Records yet. Um, So Bloom has spent most of his life working on farms around Cape Town. Um, He he met his his 86-year-old wife, Janet, at a dance and worn her hat with his jive moves. So not Mm -hmm. only is he alive, he got some moves. He was popping. Uh, He's been popping and locking. On the dance floor. (laughs) (laughs) The couple has been married for almost 50 years. Um, They moved to Cape Town suburb of Delft 30 years ago. At his great age, he says that he will not let the coronavirus pandemic panic him. I mean hey he survived the Spanish flu at a time when there was very little information about what was going on with the rest of the world um and at the time where we had less less measures to social distance so I don't I don't blame him at all
0: yeah 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 it's funny because I I think I remember like 2018 one this is a great story I mean great there's something about like people living long Mm-hmm. Um, that is just wonderfully nice, especially if, you know, in their age, if they're providing wisdom um, and just, you know, sometimes we look at these folks like, oh, you know, hey, what did he do? Um, Freddie Boom, on the other hand, may not be the best example because... Smokes? Um, he smokes, yeah. So, yeah.
1: He was lighting it up as the reporter said the story, you know.
0: Yep. Yep. I think I remember in two thousand and eighteen they were reporting about how he was trying to quit smoking, and he was already a hundred and like thirteen or fourteen at that time. It's like it's never too late, guys that's the lesson there. It is never too late to change your bad habits
1: <laughs> but uh, he hasn't changed his bad habits he
0: hasn't, wait well, it's never too late to talk about changing your bad habits, whether <laughs> or not you do it totally different, but it is never too late to change your bad habits, but yes, Freddie boy. yes, that was a wonderful story. Um, now, now I shall take you. Let's go to the eastern part of Africa, flying over uh, uh, Kenya, touching down in Nairobi. Uh, actually, we're thinking about both Nairobi and Addis Ababa because that's where the conflict is. Ethiopia actually admitted to shooting down a Kenyan aid Africa right over a Somalian airspace on saturday ethiopia admitted
1: africa what? you said kenyan aid africa kenyan aid,
0: Ken, africa. Kenyan, kenyan aid aircraft bye bye they shot they shot down a kenyan aid Afri- africa it shot down a kenyan aid aircraft um that was flying over Somalian airspace man africa is just always on my mind sorry guys um on Saturday, Ethiopia admitted it was behind the shooting of a privately owned Kenyan plane in Somalia earlier this week. It resulted in, in, in the deaths of all the six people on board. Um, the plane was shut down on Monday by Ethiopian troops protecting a camp in the town of Bardale in southwestern Somalia. The Ethiopian army said that in a statement, in a statement to the African Union. The aircraft had, had been fine. had been carrying humanitarian and medical supplies to help the country fight the spread of coronavirus when it went down um, about 180 miles and for our metric folks about 300 300 kilometers northwest of uh, Mogadishu, which is the capital of Somalia. Trivia. The Ethiopian soldiers mistakenly believed the plane was on a potential suicide mission because they had not been informed about the unusual flights and the aircraft was flying low, the statement said. Because of the lack of communication and awareness, the aircraft was shut down the military said The incident will require a mutual collaborative investigation team from Somalia, Ethiopia, and Kenya to further understand the truth. Kenya expressed shock over the incident earlier this week, saying the plane's mission had been to aid Somalia in tackling the coronavirus pandemic. Now, on your thoughts before I share mine.
1: Hmm, I don't know. I think it's easy to say, oh, it was an unusual Fight. What do you mean a potential suicide mission? I don't understand that.
0: I was flying low to the ground. So, what's right?
1: The people in the plane wanted to kill themselves. So, to help them, you shut them down where they could die. (laughs) 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 Stop. I guess that's the part I don't understand. (sighs) So, I mean, if anyone, if any of our listeners understands it better and you can explain to me, please, please go ahead because I don't. I don't quite get that. But also, reading this story, there's already been growing tensions, I believe, between Ethiopia and Kenya, So, which is why they're investigating into these claims, because they want to see if they were for real or if it was part of the tensions that have...
0: And they'll agree to jointly investigate
1: it. Right. Uh, To find out the truth and not to add to any of the tensions.
0: Yeah. Just a kind of roll back into why Ethiopia and Kenya have a little bit of tensions um the two countries are, are currently involved in a, in a maritime border dispute over um, a 62,000 uh, square mile area of the Indian Ocean um that apparently has oil and gas deposits um and and uh and the 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 relationship was strained further when um there was some fighting between the uh Somali government troops um and they allied with with and they allied the, so- the Somali government troops allied with a uh a se- semi autonomous leader of so it's a weird territory thing where like a fight between so the Somali uh governments and one of uh Somali's internal regions is spilled over into Kenyan ter- territory. But Ethiopia has looked in charge of keeping Somalia and check right now. So Kenny, I was like, bro, what's up? Why are you doing this? How can you let this happen? But there have been tensions based on both of those two things. And uh, this further exacerbates. excarberates. How do you pronounce that word? That's right. exactly. Exacerbate. Exacerbate.
1: Exacerbates, yes.
0: See, yo, I, I got this English thing unlocked. Anyways, exacerbates the, the, uh, the, the tension even further. So yes, um, that's what's going on. Only got some thoughts.
1: I already hear my thoughts.
0: You already shared your thoughts. Oh my bad. Well, I want more thoughts. Okay, sorry. Um, you good? All right. You want to take us to the next story?
1: Yep. Moving on to the next story. This story comes out of the 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 drum roll, please. Malawi. Oh, I didn't wait for your drum roll.
0: Yeah, thighs have become really big. Breathe. like i try i start to drum on the for the drum roll on my thighs and uh listeners i have to tell you i'm ashamed of myself i will do better
1: okay um that was probably too much information but yes now you can imagine your host's thighs as you listen to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> take that as you will um i think
0: who said who said that who ever said that
1: Moving on to the next story, Malawian President Peter Mutharika on Thursday joined forces with a former president's son for a rerun of an election that he narrowly won in disputed circumstances. Mutharika, who is 79, filed his nomination papers on Thursday for the July 2nd rerun alongside his new running mate, Atupeli Mulizi, the 41-year-old son of former president Bakili Muluzi, who ruled Malawi for five years from 1994 to 1999. The African country's constitutional court had had in February annulled the May 21st election and called for fresh polls, citing widespread irregularities and fraud. Crowds of people in the two parties, blue and yellow colors, trunked the streets, ignoring a ban on public gatherings of more than 50 people due to the coronavirus pandemic. We won that May 2019 election, Mutaraki said. The election is not the will of people. Therefore, I call upon all Malawians to come out and vote in this election to express the will of people. So he called on all Malawians, and they came out in trunks um, of more than 50 people, despite the ongoing pandemic. Only three of the expected 10 candidates for the rerun have presented. Um, candidates to run in the upcoming poll. Any thoughts on that?
0: Sure. So this this election, and you know, Port Save Africa is keeping you guys up to date. If you're a long time listener, you probably heard us talk about the election, the drama a few months ago. Um, the election was very tightly contested. Mm-hmm. Um, the Supreme Court of that country annulled the election, which was like, wow, Supreme Court be standing up for the truth, making sure that irregularities are addressed, et cetera, et cetera um i believe that election was down to roughly 3 4 percentage points it was close it was close and malawi malawi's registered voter voter amount is about 7 million people basically so um you know it was it was a it was a split of less than 200,000 votes um, and it was you know it was a wild time the former one of the former presidents had endorsed was initially planning to run for president and it was going to be a strong candidate and she ended up um or or he it was she actually yes she ended up uh, uh, endorsing the guy who, the second guy uh, Lazarus Chakwara. he was the one who came in second as a representative te, 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 representative. representative of the <laughs> Malawi Congress Party but I'll be in English back and forth anyways um, it was it was yeah so it's been it's been interesting. Um, to see what's going on there. Um, hopefully this elections can res- this final set of elections can resolve everything. Certainly the current incumbent is making a power play. He's trying mm-hmm. to, you know, secure his position and make it like, okay, you know, we, you know, I'm I'm that guy. Like I'm, you know, I, I I this guy, the former president's son is behind me. So, you know, if that guy still has some goodwill, um, all of that comes with him. So uh we'll see how it goes.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it I think that's specifically why he chooses to run with Atupelli Mulizi is based off of the good rep of the former president. Yeah.
0: And the vice president is also running against the current president. Yeah. This it's is one of those.
1: Wild. Wild, wild, wild.
0: Wow. Yep, yep, wild
1: things. Yep. Moving yep. on to and next. And they put
0: him back as president. <laughs> when the election got like we ran. He had to go back and continue to be vice president. Vice president. <laughs> <He ran against. laughs>
1: <laughs> like yeah,
0: yeah.
1: about that, Yeah. I love, I love it. Crazy scenes.
0: Yeah. So on to the next story. Is it my turn? It's your turn. It is my turn. Ha <laughs> ha guys. Well, I am just kidding. I knew that. Um <clears throat> so the coronavirus wasn't bad enough already. We already told you guys about the locusts, told you about all the stuff going on across the continent. Um, here I am to bring you unfortunately some not very good news. Um, a lot of East African countries have been su- have been suffering from torrential rains. Um, and these rains have de- tri- have as such triggered devastating floods and landslides across East Africa in the recent weeks. Um, this has or it is of course aggravating the coronavirus pandemic aggravating the low-cost attacks maybe will likely cause some more low attacks because these are the conditions in which locusts breed etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, the destruction caused heavy by by heavy rainfall has unfortunately also killed hundreds of people in kenya uganda somalia rwanda and ethiopia and has forced hundreds of thousands of people from their homes last week officials in kenya and rwanda said that nearly 200 people 200 and 265 people had died in in both countries. Um, 200 in Kenya, 65 in Rwanda. Um, um, And the floodwaters and mudslides had destroyed homes, washed away away bridges, and strained critical infrastructure. This week, officials in Kenya and Rwanda said that. um, Well, I already got that. Um, Meanwhile, an unspecified number of people were killed in the semi-autonomous Puntland region. In Somalia, where when flash floods swept away most buildings in Cardo Town, officials said. Uh, the heavy rain stemmed from moisture dumped in the region by winds coming in from the Indian Ocean, where temperatures have risen in recent months. Monset Chris Shisanya, a professor of climatology at Kenyatta University in Kenya's capital, Nairobi. Mm.
1: First of all, you said professor.
0: Your English. I said professor. Stop flying. <laughs>
1: Well, but it's okay. We all have those days, Um, including our co-hosts here Akedia Acadia Dearly. I think it is saddening to see this ongoing situation in East Africa. East Africa, first of all, cannot catch a break. I know, right? Can they catch a break if it's not the pandemic that is affecting the entire world? It's some locusts (laughs) in their their food supplies, and then it's flooding, um, especially when they don't have the the manpower to really do anything about it, because we all have to social distance and um, delay the effects of the pandemic on us. I think this pandemic has really shown that combating any virus or any disease is all a matter of, of rich versus poor, who can afford to. Um, yeah. Now, I think that is something that the global world has to
0: take a stand to and make better. I think, was that the end of your statement? Yep, that
1: was the end of my statement.
0: I think one thing I'm starting to realize now, looking particularly at how African countries are reacting, um, and just countries around the world, um, it, it seems like it appears that countries that just have better fundamental infrastructure, and that's both on the sense of human capacity and physical infrastructure, tend to weather storms like this far more far better um you know if you have more hospitals you're able to treat more patients if you have isolation centers you're able to you know isolate people while they get treated if you have more facilities and labs etc etc you have more places to develop um to develop cures if you have more manufacturing factories and uh you know institutions and things of that nature you have more places to mass produced testing kits and things of that nature and countries all across the world every country from you know the united states to 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 nigeria is struggling here with with this necessity of of doing more on top of your existing infrastructure and you're finding that the countries with better infrastructure are having a better time i think it's going to change the way we look at long-term infrastructure planning and developments even with floods and things of that nature um, many countries despite the severity of, of the floods and the heavy rains um, with significant investment in capital which I know I understand a lot of African countries don't have because of history and how they've been plundered for resources but I think the global community needs to think carefully about hey let's build the capacity for African countries to long term weather storms, so solid infrastructure planning. I think the entire world is better for it. Um, and We as African people need to be my far more critical about those who lead us, um, even in even in the process of of um, holding them accountable as much as we can. Going out to vote, um, trying to emphasize free and fair elections, using our money to support good candidates, using our, our time to support good candidates, and um, just really, really, really being more involved. Because now we're sitting here looking at many of our leaders flounder in the face of the many things that are hitting us at the same time. And um, we're realizing now that, okay, we couldn't just, you know, the age of bystanding and hoping it didn't affect us has passed. You know, the truth is that leadership does affect us. And the, everything, the passive effect is is nice and all because you can avoid it or you can choose not to think about it. But now um, people are literally dying because we don't have what it takes to make sure they're safe and, and treated. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so enough. For, I'll get off my soapbox now
1: um yeah thanks thanks for that moving on to the next story it comes out of west africa our very own nigeria nigeria's economy is expected to contract 3.4 percent in 2020
0: that's a recession sorry
1: a recession uh and many of you are already aware of this but global oil prices are plunging um and this is affecting nigeria's economy the finance minister's Zainab Ahmed said in March that this year's record 10.59 naira budget would be cut by about 15 percent. Um, this also equates to 29.42 billion dollars. At the time she said the initial assumed oil price of 57 a barrel would be reduced to a worst case scenario of 30 dollars a barrel. I
0: got um, you.
1: But on Tuesday she said in a web conference she said that Iraq would again have to be revised down to $20 per barrel. said the Nigerian oil and gas projects would be delivered much later than originally planned due to upstream budget cuts. Um, Nigeria's economy has been battered by low oil prices, first and foremost, following a dispute between Russia and Saudi Arabia, and then by the ongoing pandemic. It also plans to cut oil production to 1.7 million barrels per day, from the original 2.1 million BPD initially proposed in the budget under an agreement brokered by the OPEC, which is the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries. Mm. Ben Akabwezi, the Budget Office Director General, said all revenues were expected to fall by more than 80%. Mm. He said the government had revised its projections and expected the economy to contract by 3.4% this year compared with previous expectations that it would grow by 2.9%. Doing that math, that is more than 2.9, 3.4. That's like a 6.4, 6.3, 6.3 contraction. If you think about it, um, the the plus, the minus and going in both in different directions. Nigeria would speed up marginal fuel licensing and all mining license renewals to try and raise revenues. Um, and try and combat this contraction. The government officials on the call, on the web conference uh, that we mentioned earlier, discussed the issue of Nigeria's debt servicing cost. a week after the country shelved plans to borrow 80, 850 billion naira, 2.3 billion dollars, from international markets, and instead tap domestic markets to finance the budget. The finance minister said that Nigeria is in talks to defer debt service obligations to 2021 and beyond. Um, they're, they're saying that it's not called debt forgiveness, that it's just rescheduling the debt, um, says our finance minister, with regards to talks with lenders. She does not, she did not provide details of the lenders with whom talks were held. Ahmed just said that Nigeria was spending approximately 50% to 60% of revenues to service debts, which was responsible for the request and the budget officer director general said debt servicing costs were expected to rise by 200 billion naira in 2020. Ooh. The effect of low oil prices has been compounded by shockwaves caused by the new corona- coronavirus. Yeah. Any thoughts on this?
0: Um, okay. Well, um, I... I've been looking into, so one interesting thing I found out recently, just understanding one, um, the price of oil at some point actually dropped. So do you remember it was like minus $37 over like a two-day period or something like that? Yeah. 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 Literally, they were paying people to buy oil, effectively. Um, basically, if all futures expired, it's a whole financial thing. Um, but one interesting thing I stumbled upon is that they're actually different grades of oil. So not oil is the same, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's primarily based on it's primarily based on how easy it is to refine like the nicer like diesel and petroleum. Um how did I say petroleum? yeah, petroleum, um, gasoline from from the from the oil. Um and Nigeria is actually pretty nice. I think Saudi Arabia has like the nicest of all of them. But Nigeria is actually pretty up there in terms of like um, quality, I think Saudi Arabia has the nicest, but it was just interesting kind of looking at okay, now we're in a constrained market. What does it mean? Does Nigeria all have a competitive advantage? Of course, not because of OPEC and because you know all of those countries agree, but um, needless to say, the general point I'm trying to come back to is that Nigeria is in deep trouble. If you're Nigerian, <laughs> sorry, you, because things are gonna are be you, you said what?
1: Are you not Nigerian? You said what? Are you not Nigerian?
0: Let's table that one. Anyways, if you are a Nigerian, you are in, you are in, you know things are tough. Things are going to be tough. The government expenditure is going to be much less than it, it has been in the past. Now the Nigerian government is significantly responsible for a huge part of its economy, as a lot of countries are. But Nigeria is extreme. A lot of people are part of the civil civil service. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people get paid that way. Government contracts are the largest form of infrastructure spending, and etc. And etc. Will, the country pretty much revolves on government spending. And when oil is a, when oil is not bringing in money, things are going to be tight. Now, we've been screaming diversification for how long since I was born? Diversify, diversify. Mm-hmm. And my um, leaders, yeah. you know, they tried agriculture to whatever extent that that succeeded or failed. Um, but clearly, the country is in deep trouble because for the country to be so significantly impacted by a change in oil prices, um, you have to you have to be legitimately concerned. And the truth is that what if you know the twenty dollar benchmark isn't correct? Um, are they issuing an updated budget to reflect the fact that the country is just going to have a lot less money? Um, and you know this the saddest thing about it is that in the face of this reduced and this more stringent part at times, you know, you know that the government is not going to say, Okay, let's take things seriously now, let's invest in things that are going to help us avoid this in the future. No, unfortunately. It's usually the same as usual. The government not investing where it needs to be um, sometimes. I do legitimately think that, you know, the parts of the government, different portions of the government are investing, trying their best, trying to, 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 to build the government up. Um, and I think that with the right types of people um, and extremely competent leadership, we can get there. However, um, it's going to be tough. It is definitely going to be tough. The economy largely runs on oil. Um, and we'll have to see how it shakes out.
1: Yeah, I guess we'll just wait and see on that one. Yeah. Do you want to move us to the next story?
0: Uh, you know what? Do you want to take this story so I can take the last one?
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's do it. So our next story comes out of Sudan. Sudan appoints its first ambassador to the U.S. in more than 20 years. Um, going into the story, we'll see the reason for that 23-year absence. Authorities in both countries recently have agreed to improve ties following the fall of long-term President Omar al-Bashar, who was overthrown by the military in April last year in the wake of mass protests seeking civilian rule. In December, following a visit by the Sudanese Prime Minister Abdali Hamdok to Washington, D.C., the US Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said that the two countries would exchange ambassadors again after a 23 year absence. The Foreign Minister of Sudan's transitional government said on Monday that it had chosen Narul Deen Sati, a veteran diplomat, as the ambassador in Washington, D.C., and that the US authorities had approved his nomination. So the new ambassador to the US, the ambassador to the US, is Noraldine Sati Sati served as Sudan's ambassador to France in the 1990s so this is not his first rodeo mm-hmm. and later worked with the United Nations peacekeeping miss- missions in the Democratic Republic of the Congo and Rwanda mm-hmm. A Department of State of state's representative declined to provide any insights on plans to appoint a US ambassador to Sudan so there's a Sudanese ambassador to the U.S., but there isn't currently a U.S. ambassador to Sudan. Saying that there was no specific information on the timing, but the decision late last year to exchange ambassadors was a historic step. And indeed, it is. It's been a long time. The U.S. diplomat will be nominated by the President Donald Trump and needs to be confirmed by the country's Senate. Both countries had, for almost a quarter of a century, appointed only charged affairs, a diplomatic rank that heads an embassy in the absence of an official ambassador to run their missions in Washington and Khartoum Khartoum is the capital of Sudan. Um, yeah. Any thoughts on this?
0: Um, I think it's it's definitely good news, a country that has struggled for a long time. I think um, being able to set up a bad hus- a- ambassadorships is usually a good prerequisite to Setting up trade and having agreements that are going to make Sudan a richer country for its people. Yeah. Um. I think that's used. You know, it's just I can't see any bad in this currently. Um. Unfortunately, it just took a long time. There's a lot of uncertainty over the last year. Um. There's an interim government now that seems to be taking the right moves to make friends around the world, Mm -hmm. um, and to strengthen relationships and ties. Um. The ambassador certainly is not. I mean, this is somebody who's thoroughly experienced. Um, he was part of, he was the permanent delegate to the UNESCO. He was an ambassador, like I said, to France, but also to the Vatican, to Portugal and Switzerland. So he's, he's been there. Uh, yeah. He's. Um, <clears throat> and
1: that's encouraging to know that this is it not. Is,
0: it is, it is. So um, I have no information on how old he is or things of that nature, but, you know, he's he's, he's a, certainly an experienced individual that hopefully can uh, further Uplift, yeah, uh, you yeah. know, get the relationship better and uplift Sudan's eyes and the eyes of the world. So yes, I like it.
1: I hope that the US quickly makes a decision to appoint an ambassador to Sudan um, and continue that good faith.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, so the final story for today and guys I actually I'm thinking just just putting this out there i'm I'm saying this now so you guys can hold me accountable um but I'm thinking of doing a further deeper dive into the story it's just a fun story, it's not of particularly um ridiculous relative consequence, very important, of course, for the people of of Lesotho. But we're talking about Lesotho, if you remember, the one country without a single coronavirus case officially reported at this time, hopefully no cases at all. Um, The 80-year-old prime minister has decided to step down due to old age. He had said, um, he had said actually that he was going to step down at some point in the summer, roughly July uh, 2020. People are like, you know, do it now but he said 2020 um his an octogenarian as i said he's 80 um his term is due to end in 2022 and he promised he promised to retire by the end of july this year because he said he's old he said i'm old sick of it tired of y'all Go home done finito finish mm-hmm. however there's a twist guys <laughs> there is a twist so This is also the same prime minister whose wife is wanted by the police. Can I get a whoa? (gasps) (gasps) Dastardly. And guess what his wife is is wanted for, guys? Guess what his wife is wanted for?
1: What she wanted for?
0: He's wanted for murder. Murder of who? Just got dark. Of who? Of
1: who? Can you guess? I don't know, of the former, of former or, wife, or, 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 of, his former, or, wife. Former
0: wife. What? of his former wife, of his former wife, of his former wife. It's yeah. crazy, don't you remember this story? We have talked so, about this, yeah. We have talked about this, but, so, but isn't
1: he known, isn't he like a a suspect in that he's
0: he is also a suspect in that case, you know. So, ruling party officials and opposition groups have had pressure on him to leave the office over allegations like he had a hand in the murder case that has shocked the tiny South African kingdom. Now, if you don't know where Lesotho is, go to South Africa it and like look in the middle, literally, physically <laughs> inside, like it literally is bordered on all sides by South Africa. Africa. Yeah, it's like imagine South Africa as a donut.
1: And it's so the tiniest hole.
0: hole in the middle, and Lesotho is at hole. That is physically, geographically, how it's located. No offense to my Lesotho and listening to the world, but to the podcast. Friends of the pod, friends of the pod. Um, so yes, this has been quite a wacky year for this individual, of course. Um, he said, I wish to once again reaffirm my decision to retire as prime minister. He said in, in an address to the nation on, on, on Thursday, without setting an exact date for her resignation. I have always been consistent that it is my wish to retire from office by the thirty first of July, twenty twenty, or earlier if all, ne- all necessary conditions for my retirement are put in place. He added. <laughs> Sabani said, "Yeah, yeah uh, the conditions." <laughs> Sabani <laughs> said the decision was voluntary as he was no longer energetic due to his age. The government and the political party that I will lead will coordinate the process of my. Retirement, he assured. He now, back during the week of February 34th, the head of the ruling party, this same party, his ruling party that he so st- strongly talked about just now, turned down his demand for immunity from prosecution in connection with the killing of his former wife. Damn. This is, yo, this story, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, like, our first Instagram, like, video um just talking about the story just, just chatting up i think that'd be interesting what do you think about that? great idea i
1: think it'd be really interesting yeah okay, awesome
0: so um good that's a live no not not, not a live. but should, should i do that's, alive? Ooh. Do that's alive. Do a live
1: do it as a live
0: do if you do us a live can the story stay never mind sorry we're not gonna it's do It's for it
1: 24 it. hours Ooh, okay
0: we're not gonna put you guys through this but um earlier this week <laughs> a magistrate ruled that lesotho's high courts would decide if thabani can claim um can't can claim immunity from the charge that he murdered his wife. So that's yet to be decided as far as I understand. Um, and then also back then, they limited his powers to dissolve parliament and call fresh elections. So they basically cut him off at the knees and are saying, get out. Um, a leader of the opposition party, the Democratic Congress, Let uh, Letsosa, Told the French news agency AFP that Sabane has run out of options and the only thing that's left for him to do is to leave. So yeah, on got thoughts on this whirlwind of a story.
1: Who, who By the way, Russia must speak
0: to his former wife. That's that's terrible. That's tragic. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're yeah. saying? I
1: was saying who oh, would have thought we would come back around to this story. I, mean, I know, right? Yeah. We we all thought we would come back to this story, to be honest. I think quite the interesting turn. Um, don't you just love that that we, when we cover a story we get to like rehash upon it like it builds yeah. upon itself Like um, and yeah and that's the point behind this podcast guys we want Such to give the information process. that you can use and continue exactly. to use um keep you aware, keep you aware. It, it's interesting uh i want to see how the the court case unfolds um i'd be interested to see how where that ends up, it would be interesting if the prime minister ends up being jailed. That would be funny. Um, no, right what
0: did you say? continue.
1: And no, I mean, I I strongly believe that he's involved in some way. Hey, hey, um,
0: hey! We are not judges. That's speculation. Judge's lawyer, that is, that is speculation. Allegations.
1: Yeah. Um, allegations. but we'll just have to see.
0: Where yeah, where, where that goes. Well, well um, as we said, of course, Potter Rafka is not legally responsible for any statements of his host, I guess, uh, or none. And his host uh, everything speculation. and uh, uh, Legal legal disclaimer, legal disclaimer, legal disclaimer. Um, claim all the legalities. Anyways, um, guys, thank you so much for listening in to the pod. We're excited to actually share with you that we're doing a series. We're working on a series on COVID-19, sharing stories of how it's impacted people how they think about the world a little differently. We've shared this on our social m- uh, media and we've already started to receive some awesome responses and are starting to hold interviews. We've had some great lined up and they're going to start coming out this coming week. Um, um,
1: if you it, would like your story told as well, it's not too late to reach out to us. Um, if please, please. Miss please any of our memos, please. We would like to hear your voice. How have you been coping? Yeah, what have you, you have been, been doing? Exactly. Hopefully, how is it? hopefully, it's not negatively impacted you, but if it has, would you share how it has, how you've come out of it, and so that we as a community can be stronger for it? Um, we would love to hear your story.
0: Absolutely. So, thank you again for listening into our podcast. We truly appreciate you guys. Love you all. Please stay safe. Sanitize. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Um, get it. a mask. Even as countries and places start to open up, please exercise extreme caution. This virus is. Twenty
1: seconds. Wear your masks. Absolutely. Um, wear your gloves. Do what you need to do to protect yourself.
0: Do what you need to do to protect yourself. All right. Mm-hmm. So thank you so very much guys for listening in again. It's been Akian Adi candy and
1: Consola dearly Uh disclaimer, do what you do except kill a person to protect yourself.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. Don't do that. Don't sorry. please not. don't
1: do that. Don't, don't harm people. another individual.
0: Under no circumstances. We are not no. Anyways. Um, Thank you very much, and take care, stay safe, and be kind to other people. That's, That's your word for the week. All right. Cheerios. Cheese. Bye.
1: Bye.